This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Welcome to this week's episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And this week, we've got uh, another guest with us, and we're actually quite impressed that he's made it to the the recording today. Um, He's a day early, according to him, but we're okay. We're here. (laughs) But um, we've got the wonderful Jamie Barnett with us today. Um, So I'm just going to hand straight over to Jamie to explain who he is, what he's about, and how he's ended up on Property Jam. And also in a helicopter. (laughs) <laughs> and then in a helicopter, yeah. Oh, hello, guys. Well, when you say I was a day early, I was hoping to be your 100th episode, I think, your 99th episode. <laughs> yeah, not so that I've special. shot too early on that one as well, which is the story of my life, basically. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Jamie Barnett, my, um, my journey in property, let's say, started out in 2008. And uh, we started out in student property. I only knew it's student property. I didn't know these properties had labels like buy-to-lets and HMOs. We just did student property. So we started out with um, a bunch of houses that were converted to HMOs to student property. We grew from there, starting to do commercial to resi, which were student HMOs, which then progressed into apartments. Then those apartments have uh, grown into great big blocks of student blocks, you know, 100, 200, 300 ped blocks. So we've done a lot of that stuff. Um, We've done uh, marinas. We buy marinas and we put high-end boats on those marinas as well. Um, I own an estate agent, which I started out in 2012. I think I I joined the team. They had one uh, branch at the time. They've got eight branches. So I do all stuff uh, property, lots and lots of different things. And I do some buy-to-lets as well in there as well. So, uh, and flips, all sorts. Just a couple of bits. Just a couple of bits. Shops and offices, which just generally come along with the commercial Terezi as well. So, yeah, we cover a whole remit of stuff. And then we've got a bunch of companies that sit within the group that manage those different parts of the business. So, uh, yeah, very varied, very exciting. It's exciting. So so you're not busy at all then? You've got very little to do? No, no. (laughs) 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 I guess as a student landlord, this must be your busiest time of year. Oh, it is. Yeah. The 1st of August. Every, well, the 31st or 30th of July, everybody moved out. And uh, 1st of August, everyone's hands to the pump. And it's quite tough because when you've got so many rooms, you can't carry a team of 20 people for the whole year. You've got to go and find all the waifs and strays that you can possible to come in, move rubbish, paint walls. And then at the end of the month, they disappear again. And the next year you get a whole new bunch of people. So there's quite a challenging um managing those people because you need to get them to the standard of what you need it to be to be able to hand it over to the new students who are coming in the following year yeah yeah can totally relate I've literally been on the phone to like my letting agent all afternoon sort of having stupid discussions about lipstick stains on vanity units like you know like stupid things like that and like where does that come out of the the tenant's deposit or you know is that something is that wear and tear yeah bizarre and how many students drop irons on carpet Thank you. How many? <laughs> and how do you charge that? There's a there's a mark this big. Yeah. The whole carpet's ruined. Yeah. And then they complain that you're going to charge 300 quid for a carpet when it's only a little mark. And then yeah. the next people come in, they say, well, you need to change the carpet because there's a mark on the carpet for an iron. So, yeah. Yeah. And all go, those oh, but I've done you problems. a favour. They're like, I've done you a favour because I left you a couch. That's not done me a favour. <laughs> it's shit. It is horrible. Yeah. 
Oh God. Yeah. Now I hear you. It's, it's difficult, but it's yeah. a good market to be in, isn't it? I love a student. It is. it is. And there was a, um, there was, I didn't know if you saw, there was something in the times over the weekend and they're predicting that the student market's going to be growing 40% over the next couple of years, 40%. I thought we'd reached our plateau and it'd be now mm. going down. But uh, they're talking about forty percent. That was just the weekend. So uh, why? Why is that? I, d- I, d- I didn't get that far in the article. <laughs> I'm not surprised. But did we, did we, if you remember, we did remember a few episodes ago. We talked about um, the kind of the future of the market. We googled certain things, and mm. one of the things we, we picked up was that um, a lot of major yeah. funds are going into the student market, uh, and some of the big block guys are now actually getting into the the small boutique hmos as well so they're actually buying up the housing stocks yes. probably you isn't it <laughs> well that's yeah, what we do yeah i mean that's our main i always have a couple of i always have about six schemes on the go at any one time two of them will be the huge great big blocks i've got a hundred bed and a 300 bed going on at the moment and then the rest of them will be i call them mid-size from five to 25 apartment type size boutique apartment and they are for students but they're also for the professionals as well so uh and we, we won't tend to have both in one building so uh, yeah oh god no that's a disaster no <laughs> that's interesting so, uh, yeah. like the the student market i'm thinking about this kind of mad rush that happens throughout the whole of august so yeah. so niall i'm mean, a question for niall here um mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about the student versus the young professional market is it something that because obviously we're in the we're in the professional market so we have ups and downs throughout the entire year and changes over at different times so it it can more of a smooth process as opposed to everything going like helpful other in one so it's quite interesting to compare the two different strategies where you've got Mm. one which is constantly just kind of like a like an ocean doing this and then one which is like a tidal wave which is your student like what like yeah what do you prefer that's that's a question to everybody really Hmm. I think I think well one thing that appeals to me about the student market is that you get your lump sum payment um, from your students on day one so you know what you're working with throughout the year whereas mm. with the professional lets you know people can move in and out at any point they have the six month minimum term but you know not everyone's six months starts on the same day um, so there's constant turnover basically throughout the portfolio um, and quite recently, obviously, since lockdown has uh, relaxed and people are free to move around a lot more, suddenly everybody's up sticks and, and moved. Um, so we've had a couple of HMOs where four or five people have moved out within a few weeks of each other. And then we've suddenly got four or five rooms that we have to turn around with to do maintenance, painting, and then relet them again. Um, and that that's happening in three or four areas at the same time, then that's quite a lot of the portfolio that's suddenly not generating any income. Whereas if that were on the student level or the student side of it, you know that until the end of July, you're, you're, you're set. And then you've got a month to get it all back together again and then go again. Uh, mm. But that's offset with the whole purchase, you know, and timing that right. Because it, it just feels like you never buy a student property at the right time of mm. year because yeah. you're always <laughs> recruiting like between nine and 11 months ahead of time. And yeah. so you, the risk is that if you build it too close to the academic year, you've just got this void. So it has to be fit for purpose for another market until you're able to fill it. So then it, that kind of negates that in a weird way. But as long as you buy in a really good location, you should be able to fill it. Mm. I mean, where we've gone to with this, we've now got a mix. And um, we, <laughs> apart from the massive blocks, we don't tend to do new student rooms, let's say. Um, August, imagine August, I've got, 
big portfolio of student property, lots of mortgages. I've got all my electricity bills. I've got no income coming in whatsoever for August. Mm-hmm. So I've still got the same costs. Students come in in September, but they don't get their student loans till the end of October. So I actually have to survive for two months um, before they come in. Then I get charged the fees, the letting agent fees, and it's about three or 400 quid per room. So if you've got 100 rooms you, and you extrapolate that out, there's a big fee for that as well that comes in September. And then you don't know what you're dealing with till, till you actually get in the rooms. But I might have 40 mattresses to go and replace and 30 beds and 10 carpets. And you've got to deal with that in 30 days. You've got to get all the mattresses and all the carpets and all the decorators and everything else. And so um, what we're trying to do is balance it out. So I've been selling a lot of my um, HMO houses, let's say, and then moving all those apartments, boutique apartments, as you would call it. Um, I've been increasing those. So I've got much better balance and much better uh, ability to uh, manage my cash flow throughout the year. So uh, Mm. that's where we are at the moment. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's funny because obviously when you're on the outside looking in, you see a completely different, uh, different view on it. Yeah. Yeah. The grass is the grass is always greener. Grass it is, is always greener. Yeah. 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 That's it. Like we've got a young professional portfolio, therefore we we want the student portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Should we swap? <laughs> uh, in October, yes. Yeah. In October. Yeah. We'll, we'll take get good the money. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's something to be said of having a balance of the two. It's actually yeah. quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you get different experience as well. But mm. yeah, I mean, I must admit, I am biased towards the student market. I, I really, really love it. I love the certainty of it. I love the structure of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the stories. Mm. I mean, <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't get better than the student market. Because <laughs> you're like, they did what? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're only learning it's, it's a school of life yeah, yeah they're school learning life, while yeah. stuffing up my walls and yeah. you know yeah put, pasting pubes and shaving foam across my new paintwork yeah thanks <laughs> so, so i suppose before we get into all of that we should ask jamie the the, the question which we ask all of our guests when they come on property jam which is uh, what does the human side of property look like for jamie barnett do you know, I listen to these podcasts so often and I always think to myself, if I was asked, if I was asked that question, how would I answer that? Oh and I've got no idea, no idea. But I did give it some thought. And um, I, I'm going to go probably the other way that probably most people think. And there's a landlord, there's a developer. And uh, what we do, we very much think in bite-lets and HMOs are yields and returns. And it's very, very cold. And we think about... Uh, financial freedom we think about wealth and success and we it's very very um it's all about ourselves really isn't it that's why we're getting into it bluntly i mean there might be other people who say otherwise but i think really it's about ourselves but i think we forget that what property is it's um you know when you're brought into the world as a baby you come into your first house and i've shown the house where i was first born and bought brought and where i bought my children when they were first born and when you're a toddler when you first learn to walk when you go to school and that property you come back to and you leave school you go to university and you remember that flat or apartment then you 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 remember your first property the first time you fall in love and you get your first property with your girlfriend or boyfriend and what properties it's it's part of people's lives isn't it it's it is bricks and mortar and return to us but to them it or to everybody it's it's memories isn't it it's 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 what it's our it's forming our lives isn't it <laughs> you know 
Um, and that's what it means to, for, to be human, I guess, for a property. Um, that, you know, too easy to think about buy-to-lets and HMOs and returns, but really these are people's homes and we're making, we're making lives for, for people and memories for people. And we should remember that at the end of the day. Mm. That's what I think, really. That's yeah, very yeah. profound. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that coming from above it, if I'm going to be honest. Well, it's so easy as a landlord, isn't it? You're thinking returns, aren't you? I'm thinking, well, I'm going to make two grand net out of this and I'm going to put that into that, put that into that. And you, you forget that these are real people you know, living in these these properties. It's so true, actually. I love mm. that. I, I just absolutely <laughs> love that answer. I think it's so true because, you know, my favourite thing is when if you happen to be there, when a tenant is moving in for the first time like maybe yes. just like doing the final clear out or something and they're just doing a final viewing or something and they walk in and they go that yeah. is everything yeah. like that is absolutely everything I, I love that feeling that- I remember with one of my social housing tenants I think I've told this story before on the podcast I decorated it I mean it, was, it wasn't even fancy it was just like you know white and gray like nothing nothing spectacular just a blank canvas and she walked in and she was just like, oh, my God, this is my forever yeah. home. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. But up to that point, you might be thinking spreadsheets and budgets and paint colours and <laughs> how am I going to get rid of the stain off that wall? Yeah. And you and return and how, you know that's what you're thinking. But actually, that that's that person's forever home. And memories will be created there for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And yeah. I think we forget that. Yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right about the um, – it kind of – they provide – almost like sign place throughout your life they kind of yes. stamp like certain bits like milestones like yeah yeah exactly. yeah yeah so you, and it's, it's, it's similar to to having a um music and smells those things that you you remember in your, in your mind so mm. when you hear a particular song you you, yes. you have that particular memory come to life yeah um, and the property has that same impact so you remember things because of that property or because of what happened in that property um yeah you know, the, the day that um you know you you throw a, a new year's eve party then about three years later you find all the beer stains on the ceiling yes and, and all, all of that yeah it all is part and parcel of yeah of, of life definitely when you mention the music i've always not that i'm never going to be on desert island this but where you choose your 10 tracks, but your 10 tracks will probably align to major events that have happened in your life that you mm. remember certain things that happened in your teens. And that song reminds you of that. And it's exactly the same with properties, isn't it? As, as it is with those tracks in your life. Yes, I feel like we've got onto Desert Island Discs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, maybe we should do like a This Is Your Life of, uh, of Jerry Bond. <laughs> You did that not so long ago on Facebook. You had like, was that over lockdown? I swear you did something. I did. Yeah, you were doing different soundtracks to your life. It was, cool. um, I think somebody posted up there your 10 top top 10 albums of it. all time. And then, yeah. and, I, and I did exactly that. I was thinking about the time, the key times in my life and how and what song or what album would have aligned to that particular event. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was good. And it's funny, isn't it, how you attach to spaces? Like I can remember right from like the first time I moved out of home, like even saying goodbye to my bedroom and then going to Spain and living in my room. That room became my world. And I don't know if you're yeah. like this, because I <laughs> just please tell me if I'm the only one that does this, but I'm not really fussed about bricks and mortar. I'm all about the home and the space that you create. So even if I'm checking yeah. into a hotel, that space becomes my home for the duration of that stay. So I get in and I set it up. And then every time I leave a space, or a room or a flat or a house that I've lived in, 
I say goodbye to it when I leave. So if I walk <laughs> out of a hotel room, I always say goodbye. Do you say goodbye? Hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gone that far uh, yet. Yeah. I'm gone that far. No, I have maybe once or twice as like a joke thing, but not what? like. You're saying do, goodbye. Do, do, do you hug the wall at the same time like this? No, you know, that's goodbye. crossing a line. You know, you've got, respect, you've got to respect wall boundaries. But no, I do. I sort of like thank the space. I sort of say, oh, thank you for being my home for, you know, however long. I say, bye house or bye room or bye. Okay, do, just do, do you say it out loud? <laughs> yes. Okay. Always. So I've just moved flat. You know, I have. Mm -hmm. Now, you you know, firsthand experience of what that that shit show and I said yeah. goodbye to the house and I went around but what I did do because I was you know I was selling my flat I went around and I touched all the walls and I was like bye house bye house bye house let's just just be then I, I, I do yeah I think it's I think were, people were, were you going that. around and and like recalling like your best bits so I remember this wall because no I, I remember no. This no what I was doing was like thanking the space for kind of keeping me safe and you know for the memories that I had there I wasn't like because exactly, actually living in living in your house was quite dangerous because things would fall through the ceiling right I nearly died so yeah. actually I was grateful that you know the walls and the ceiling had sort of held and didn't kill me um mm. so yeah um yeah I do I'm really I, I have a lot of um gratitude for space um so you know I wonder if our tenants or Clearly, you guys don't do that, but like, I'm sure there are other nut jobs out there who do what I do. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We create a home for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know it. about you guys, but I mean, we're dealing in tens of millions of pounds now. And with that, you get, we get problems that, are, you know, our problems are hundreds of thousands of pounds at a time. If we enter some kind of dispute, it, it can be really, really, really scary. But the one place I can go to is my mum's house. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I, I, it's like this safe cocoon. And that's my mum's house. I can sit in that sofa, drink my tea, yeah. and, have a, and have my digestive biscuit. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I'm invincible in that house because it's yeah. just a safe, safe place. And it's just uh, bricks and mortar. As we said, it's a place there. Yeah. And it means something that's just something that's protective and you might guys might feel the same yeah i think you've got yeah. that the, the the comfort the familiarity the yeah. it, it's like it doesn't change it's always there no matter what's happening in your world you can yeah. always go back for the cup of tea in, in yeah. that house yeah. yeah 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 the smell and the the yeah the furniture and like the routine of it it's the heartbeat of the house isn't it you can actually yeah. feel it and it's like being wrapped up it's like being swaddled <laughs> and, and it, it is that house the same house that you grew up grew um from about 14 yeah oh, yeah yeah she yeah from about 14 yeah but um yeah it's been the same house since then yeah and she's still obviously she's still there <laughs> i'm not going into some random house and my mom not there but <laughs> you kicked her out and booted her into one of your hmos <laughs> yeah. she just bought it I was like i'm gonna go to my mum's house and yeah. house just so no one knows where i am <laughs> <You're> <laughs> it's your bunker <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, like uh, I totally get that even yeah. though my my parents have moved around quite a bit since I was at school and so I've never yeah. um had the same house since but I think it's again there's there's the people aspect as well so yeah. um it doesn't matter where my parents are that's always feels like the safe space mm. so eat the bricks and mortar um They'll, they might still have the the same pictures of when you were a baby on the mantelpiece yeah. they might yeah. have a uh, yeah. you know nest of tables that's been from house to house <laughs> <Yeah>. still familiar 
Yeah, no, yeah, you're completely right. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think, actually, because I've got two friends who um, uh, they're a couple been together for like over 40 years now and they have traveled as a couple all over the world. And they were both in the world of finance and they've lived all over the States. And, and then they came over to London, which is where I met them. And now they live in Valencia. And I've known them to be in three different spaces and two flats in London and one flat in Valencia. And every single time, even though all the flats are completely different, when you walk in, it smells like them and it feels like them because of mm. all of their stuff. I know their coffee table. I know their artwork. I know that. So when they moved to Valencia, completely different flat. But it's like, oh, Jerry and Angel's flat. It's Jerry and yeah. Angel's flat. Like you just yeah. knew it. I just I sat down <laughs> on their couch. I'm like, shit, I'm in Spain. But I'm in their space. You know, yeah. that's what makes a home. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and then you open the windows and it's raining. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> Expecting sun. <laughs> oh my God, you can't be in Valencia. You have to go. It's like 20, something stupid, like 27 degrees all year round. Oh my yeah. God, it's lush. It's so nice. Yeah. It's a good, they're good friends to have. Yeah. Very yeah. good friends. Yeah. Right, mister. Have you come with armed with a question for us? I was going to ask you, do penguins have knees? <laughs> I, thought, I thought we vetoed that question no he, I, I kind of permitted it just because he looked really? like a penguin because he's okay he's i've got a serious white. question unless yeah. you want to answer that because I, I don't feel know like the answer to that i feel okay. like we should nail what's your answer i'm saying no that's why they go like they that's yeah. it because there's, there's no there's no bend yeah but there are birds and other birds all other birds have knees don't they Ooh. i don't know the answer by the way I and mean, we can google it I'm googling it right now. Right, right okay. I don't know if chickens question. have knees. <laughs> I, 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 I think penguins do have knees. I just think they're somewhere inside their body. Right. Yes, penguins do have knees. A penguin's leg is composed of a short femur, knee, tibia, and fibula, just like any other bird. And you're obviously not the first person to ask this question because as soon as I had do penguins, the first thing that came up was have knees. <laughs> Also, penguins came up on the podcast recently with the Stuart Clinton boys. What was it? One of them wanted to adopt a penguin, but then they were like, no, yeah, because think, they smell think, really bad. See, that would be cool. I think Max wanted a pet penguin. Max, or was it Alec? One of them wanted a, a penguin. Yeah. yeah. But then they were like, no, because the penguin bit of a zoo stinks to high heaven and you'd have that on your doorstep. So that wouldn't be random that penguins are coming people, back up. However, people live on farms and they've got pigs in shit. And yeah, when you're... You know, it's just a different smell, just a bit fishier. Okay, a a serious question for you. Okay. Okay. So if you were to offer advice to your 21-year-old self, what would it be? Oh, my God. Oh. (laughs) Don't do property jump. (laughs) 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 Uh, It was your your idea. It was my idea. (laughs) It was your freaking idea. You dragged us into this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, God, that's a really difficult question. Bloody hell. Um, 21-year-old self. Where was I 21 years old? I can't remember. I was in Australia. So who's the closest to 21? I mean, I'm 47. I'm way older than you guys. Oh, I'm 40, so 40. Yeah, 39. that's the baby. So yeah, Max, I'm the eldest. I am the closest, but not by much. So it wasn't far away then for you? Uh, well, it was a good 15 years. Okay. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 21, it's a difficult question because when I was 21, I was at uni. I was gigging a lot on piano in Edinburgh, um, writing music with a band, studying music doing 
technology. Um, and my goal was, right, yeah, I'm going to be a musician, I'm going to go out on a gig, I'm going to you know, write music, and that's going to be uh, my success. Um, and, and to be fair, that sounds like a great life to me. At that point, yeah. it was. And I think yeah, that, that's great. And if you're going to do that, you, you, you kind of want to do that when you're young and gullible and, uh, you know, not gullible, but naive and kind of going yeah. into the world. Because I'm, I, the reason why it's difficult is because you're going to go back in time and you're going to take your kind of your knowledge and maybe a bit of a more of a closed mind view on certain things and you're going to give it to that younger version of yourself uh, and potentially limit mm. that particular path but also you're going to change the path because um, you know I went through music got into property and would yeah. I have ended up property in property if I'd gone if I hadn't gone through that path I could have ended up as an accountant working mm. in a or working in a yeah, you KPMG style thing. You know, that's yeah. the kind of job that I probably would have gone in if I hadn't taken that music track, and you know, that probably would have led me to property, but not until I was fifty and burnt out. Yeah, like yeah. see, that twenty-one-year-old had dreams and excitement, yeah. and yeah. yeah, and as you said, naive but in an exciting, positive way. You know, um, and you won't want to stop that, would you, as a twenty-one-year-old? No, no, so, no. Yeah, I think if there was a piece of advice, it would be. Actually, there's two pieces of advice. There's two regrets that I really have, uh, and they're both to do with kind of investments and and having an idea and not doing anything about it. So the first thing was um, in 2008, I thought, oh, property would be a really good idea because it's because the property market is going down. It's a crash. Now's the time to buy. Um, but I thought, no, I need to make it in music first to make my money, and then I'll, I'll do property later. So um, I had the idea in 2008, but didn't do anything about it. The second thing was that I had the idea to mine bitcoin and wow. in 2008 <laughs> uh yeah but well yeah wow. um, back when it started because i yeah. knew someone that was doing it and yeah. uh, i just never did anything about it i would have been a um kind of 100 millionaire by having done something very different back then so those mm. are probably my, my my two uh if i was to say something to myself is take the opportunity mm. to get into property sooner rather than later and uh, you know, and act on act on ideas. I just didn't know that my ideas were actually any good. Mm. Um, but obviously hindsight said that yes, 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 they were. So now I'm starting to act on, well, I obviously have acted on ideas that I have yeah. and um, whether good or bad, and I find out as we go. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Are you two going to pass or are we going to? No. I'm, I, have I you had a um... chance to think about it now? Yeah, I think it, it, I was in a I was in a similar situation to Matt at, at that age in university, traveling, um, having a lot of fun, and I never really thought about like the future or wealth or pensions or investments or anything like that. I was just having a good time and never really paid any attention to it. Um, I probably a bit of advice would probably be to um, uh, don't be so afraid of everything. You know, I was I was I was scared to take steps and to do um, a lot of things at that time. Even though I was traveling and doing lots of adventurous stuff, I was afraid to do a lot of other things. Um, uh, when it came to employment and things like that, uh, and in my personal life, so I think maybe just don't be as afraid. Just try, just try stuff. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. It's not the end of the world. Um, that would probably be the best bit of advice I would give myself at that time. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm, that's quite similar. Yes, yeah, so at 21, I was living in um, Granada in southern Spain, and I was just having the best time. And I think if you'd have introduced me to something as grown up as investment or, you know, understanding the principle of making money work for you, I don't think I would have been ready to handle it. So I think actually my investment journey probably happened at a time when it was supposed to happen. So the two bits of advice I think I'd give to myself is number one, be kind to yourself, because what I was really guilty of doing when I was a lot younger was so being so self-critical of everything you know my mind my um, academic ability like in Spain I just like Niall said I just remember being scared all the time that everyone could speak Spanish better than me and that if I opened my mouth I'd say something stupid so often for me can you believe it I wouldn't open my mouth I'd just stay quiet and then like I know so I would, <laughs> when I was around my British friends you know I was a life and soul but around sort of Spanish sort of fellow students and stuff I was I just spent the whole time terrified so I think it's like, you know, just be kind to yourself. Um, don't beat yourself up when you think you're not as good as everybody else. And when you are feeling stressed, acknowledge it, listen to your body and your mind and, and take the necessary steps to look after yourself. That's the first thing. The other thing I would have said, it's probably linked to it actually, is know your worth. Um, I think, you know, part of my whole mantra is, you know, knowing what your rainbow is and letting your colors shine. And I think we underestimate all that we are as individual human beings. Mm. I think we just think that because we know how to do something that it's just normal, but it's not. Um, so much of who you are and what you are is exceptional. So really tapping into that from a younger age and then leveraging that and putting it out in the world to monetize it or create an impact or put it to philanthropic endeavors and having the confidence and the belief in yourself to do so because you know your own worth. I think I would have probably done a lot more exciting things a lot sooner. Mm. And I'm only really getting to that stage in my life at 40 now. Mm. So yeah, those, those are the two bits of advice I'd give. Mm, very good. <laughs> and over to you, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Oh, do I have to answer this yeah. as well? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, at 21, I was very driven, very entrepreneurial. Um, you know, I, got big ideas and big career ambitions. Um, so I, I was like that from even while whilst I was at uni, I was just desperate to do it. And I thought in my head, the best way to get on was to go and get a corporate job. So I went and joined BT and I was in BT for quite over 10 years. I had a couple of other jobs afterwards, but uh, I was in BT for a long time. And for someone who's young and is creative and driven and hungry, those kind of companies are the worst place to be. They're absolutely the worst place because they just sap every ounce of energy and creativity because, you know, it's just the way it is. Um, I just wanted to get up and move up the ladder, but there's this big tier of middle management blokes, 40, 50 years old, that you just can't get past. And uh, I just wish I'd just said to my 20-year-old yourself, get out of the corporate rat race, go and get property educated and get started now. And I'll... I'll wished I just got started at um, 21 and I'd have also rooted out Nikki and find out where she was as well and got together with her at the age of 21 I didn't even know if it was like 20 years before I even met her but uh, I'd have found her and got started much quicker um, but yeah if you are like that and you're driven like that I think the last place is a big corporate like that <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's stifling, makes, isn't it? Those environments it where you're so bureaucratic. Yeah. Anyone who's got some kind of energy and enthusiasm and creativity, it's the 
it's the worst place in the world for those kind of kids. Although mm. they are recruiting them, they're looking for those people, but then they just sap every kind of anything out of them. So, uh, yeah, yeah. But they're, look, they're looking for them to then. mold them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mold them into average people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about this recently, yeah. about when you if you would naturally have that mindset because I think so yes. many people with that personality yeah. type like all of us have that trait within us we're attracted yes. to property because it gives you that freedom which is such a, yeah. my biggest value and so you when you talk to other people who you can see have got that trait in them and what they're saying is exactly that I don't fit I you yes. know I've got ideas um I'm I'm going for promotion but no one values me I've got yeah. to tick boxes and they're like yes yeah, I was walking with my neighbor who's actually been on the podcast. We we're walking back from the gym earlier, having this exact conversation. And she was just saying, I'm outgrowing yeah. the environment I'm in and I need yeah. to do something else. And I was like, hey, property. And you're, and you're having appraisals and one-to-ones oh, of people who you don't even respect. You've they got no care. respect for people <laughs> yeah. who are telling yeah. you, you need to improve A, B and C. And you're yes. thinking, you're telling me that? <laughs> Absolutely. yeah and yeah. yeah I can't I, oh, my, my blood's boiling that I was even I there know. for a day let alone 10 years so I just can't believe well, like you have there. to ask permission <laughs> to take time off yes oh yeah and you know yeah, that, that's- and in meetings, can I go for a comfort break? I mean, oh, <laughs> what I is that word? I just want to piss. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go now. I just go. <laughs> yeah. I can be, I can be um, glad that I, I didn't have that. Because obviously, yeah. doing, uh, doing what I was doing, um, I never really yeah. fit into no. that. And actually, I did have uh, a couple of jobs. And I basically told them how it was going to be. And yeah. they were fine because they actually wanted me just to do it. But they were just like boring kind of add yeah. many like, style yeah. roles yeah. okay so um and i just i went over and above in that type of role whilst i was still trying to do music so yeah. so, so much so that one day um i had i got a phone call saying can you come and do some work at primer studios tonight um uh, do an overnight session on, on a movie shoot and um i said to the i said to the um to my this was the accounts manager it's like can, can i leave three hours early um, to go and do this um, and um, make up some of the time. She's like, yeah, just go. But, so mm-hmm. I think I think it is, but that was a smaller business. It wasn't a mm-hmm. large corporate. It was, but it was still a good kind of 50, 60 people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, that you sometimes and that think. That is a pretty amazing opportunity, what you were going to do as well. So any decent company should yeah. let you. Yeah. Say, yeah, yeah, she knows I'm not going to be there forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so if she lets me do that, I'll probably stay longer and, and, um, help help them out longer because they kind of yeah. wanted me. Cause I, kept, I interesting enough, I was really organised and kept them organised. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Who? Not not was nodding. As in, what? Cool, what are you nodding? You work with the man. What did? You... No, he's told me because he's told me this story before. That's why I'm nodding. I remember the story. <laughs> you just you weren't agreeing with remember. the actual principle. You were just acknowledging that he's the person in the story, him. but I remember the story. <laughs> But it's all right doing it for, you know, it's kind of like do what I say, not what I do. And oh, no, that's not, that's the wrong one. It's, it's like going to a hotel and I keep a hotel room really tidy. Um, but at really? home, it's a complete shit show. <laughs> oh, really? So my own business, uh, I find it hard to keep myself organized in my own business. But when I was working for someone else's business, I was highly organized uh, in that one. Mm. It's really weird. So I need mm. someone else in my business to well as we do we have other people to help us organize our business so that we don't just 
leave leave our socks lying on the floor oh, everywhere. You're making me think, actually. Me- metaphorical socks. Yeah, but I guess if you only had one thing to focus on in your own business, then you, that would be as tidy and as organized yeah. as anything. In your own business, you've got 10 different hats on all day, every day, and you're being pulled in all directions. So it's impossible. Well, not impossible, yeah. but it's very well, difficult to... Um... Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got one hat on today. Should I put yeah. my pizza back on? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's fascinating isn't it but yeah i think the whole point I'm is that, is that freedom <laughs> it actually looks good we're matching oh yeah. yeah what is that an egg <laughs> oh it's a little baby toy yeah. oh okay. no, it's not actually that's a professional music musical instrument as a what's called, known <clears throat> in the industry as an egg shaker my apologies, Matthew. I didn't realise how um, legitimate that, that instrument was. I have no idea why it's up on my desk, but a child's probably brought it here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we do a bit of episode roulette? What do you reckon? Oh, yes, Let's yes, definitely. Don't ask me about licensing. Please don't ask me about licensing. Episode 11. Well, Everyone cross their fingers and pray for it. We can see what happens. <laughs> What am I looking for? Licensing. No. It's for Spotify. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, he's not even logged in, the fool. Oh, my there God. There you go. This is the right. professionalism okay. we put up with. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask me about, and don't ask me where China is, because I'll tell you it's in Croydon. Oh, my God. How brilliant was that episode? Oh, it's my favourite. Oh, my God. Very good. Very good. Very, very good. Um, Shout out to Juan. Shout out to Juan. Uh, so for our listeners who are tuning in for the first time in episode 99, uh, we're about to play a game of episode roulette where I'm going to scroll through our previous episodes of uh, Property Jam uh, on my now open Spotify app. And um, I'm going to ask Jamie to say stop uh, whenever um, he is ready. And then I'm going to ask him his opinion on that particular title. So I am scrolling. Tell me when you're ready. Stop. Episode 11. No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually episode 10. Oh, that was my favourite episode. I'd have just lied. I'd have lied and just said it was 11. Okay, so what is episode 10, Jamie Barnett? It's this question, uh, question number one. I'm going to say, I don't know, tell me. <laughs> it's it's kind money. Of a super fan of you. Huh? <laughs> it, it, it's money. And actually, this is probably a really good money. topic for you. Okay. Yeah, so what is your view on money? On money? Yeah. What's your human wow, view? Wow, that's a massive question, isn't it, I suppose? What is my view on money what's the first thing that pops into your head my dad used to say to me you can't do anything without money and i just remember that from a very very early age and uh and i think that's the thing that's probably driven me to where i've got to today right and i remember that from five years old and he used to drum it into my brother and he used to drum it into me and he just says you can't he just used to say you can't do anything without money and then and then that's driven everything that's gone on from then on forth i guess um there's more to it than that i mean he used to have a lot of books like dale carnegie uh which was the how to win friends and influence people and he used to have the other books and from a very early age maybe five to ten years old i you know we only had three channels on the tv at that time so you know i remember reading those books that he had you know between the age of five and ten and uh obviously didn't mean a lot to me um but all that all the success and the wealth and everything else became ingrained to me within from a very early stage geared around making money in the future 
Does that answer the question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. that's what I think about about money. And today I can tell you now, you can't you literally, if you want to do something, if you want lifestyle and choice, and if you, my kids go to private school and they've got, you know, they've got opportunities that I didn't have, all comes and boils down to money. And you used to say you can't do it without money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not particularly profound, but that's the first thing that comes to... Hello, Kitty. There's a cat ah, in your that's Hattie. Hattie's yeah. just uh, supporting you. Yeah. That's kind of what I can think of when you... The first thing that comes to my head. Okay. Cool. What do you think well, about money? What would you say? Money. So, so for me, money is something which has never been... It's never been a problem growing up but there was never much kind of of it so like savings and investments was never really a thing growing up so but debt kind of was so it's kind of understanding the you know the mindset shift from um actually having money i think it comes to it's kind of aligned with your value of yourself so self-worth versus physical worth so um having like ten thousand pounds spare in the bank account actually still freaks me out so i'm like right mm. i need to get i need to get rid of that where's it going to go yeah, yeah. So, but now really? instead of paying, have it. but instead of but but this is difference instead of spending it now it'll be like right okay, where can i invest that money but it can't stay in my bank account um because i i think it's always gonna be something like i, I don't necessarily want to have a massive bank balance because i just see that as so I'm always kind of trying to whittle it down, to, <laughs> whittle it back down to zero, yeah, but, okay. but making making sure it's it's going out. Because having yeah. money in your bank account or cash means you're losing money because the, if you because of inflation, if inflate if your yeah. if money in your bank account and is less than inflation, then it's effectively losing money. So you mm-hmm. want to get the money into something that's creating more money. There's something you mentioned actually about money wasn't a problem when you were younger. When my parents divorced, I was at a point where we had zero, you know, we had nothing. And I remember Christmas coming and I don't know if you might be too young to remember Littlewood's catalogues. And my mum sat oh, no, me down I remember Littlewood's Littlewood and, yeah. and, and Argos. Yeah. And she sat me down for my Christmas present. I had to choose a coat that she could pay 50p per week over the next two years oh. for my Christmas present. And, um, and, you know, we literally had nothing. <laughs> we had this battered old triumph dolomite it was bright orange and rusty and i made them park up two streets away from the school because i was embarrassed i didn't want people to think less of me because i didn't have money so i've and i think from that experience now that because my, my parents divorced me so i was reading my books at my dad's and then i was living with my mom i think that experience i don't ever want to be in that position before so i'm, I'm just literally quite scared of ever having to go back to that and also for my kids, I want to be able to give them the opportunities and choices that I didn't have because of that. So it comes down to money, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. It does. It, it, yeah. In the same vein, though, I, I never really experienced that. No. So about not having money. Mm. So I don't, so, so, so that has never been a driver. Yeah. So money has never been a driver in that way. No. Um, so it's quite interesting because mm-hmm. I think they say you, you kind of, but yeah, when you come from nothing, it's easier to say, well, I never want to go back there. So, you, yeah. so you're driven from it. Yeah, um, yeah. Whereas if you've never had that kind of low point, you, you kind of, 
like people who are really successful quite often have kind of gone bankrupt once so they fit that they know what it's like and they're like yeah. actually no you drive away from that and then they're hugely successful mm-hmm. um for someone to come at making wealth from from having stuff is the, the motivation is then very difficult because it's you're moving towards things and moving towards yeah. things is not as strong a drive as moving away from other from, from things mm-hmm. yeah and then equal to my experience when i was with my mom uh you guys know me long enough that i started out in property with thirty-five thousand pounds in debt that was my starting point from gambling and that was a horrible horrible place to be when you've got eight different credit cards and you're just paying the minimum amount on one credit card and then and then you're withdrawing it to pay the next one and then withdrawing it to pay the next one and you get to the end of the run and then you're paying the loan that you owe and literally don't have i can't couldn't afford petrol to get anywhere um and i'm literally scared scared to death of ever being in that position again and that's something that really drives me very strongly to go and, go and make more so i don't ever get in that position ever again i mean it's mm. unlikely now hopefully <laughs> but uh yeah that does worry me all the time yeah yeah cool. good good little discussion there i love yeah. that yeah yeah but but that, oh God, you... i just oh, you could about money to the cows come home couldn't you really yeah. it's such a big topic yeah Unfortunately, we need to start wrapping up. So we're going to do one power round. Um, so I'm now scrolling. And what's a power round? How does that differ to the last round? Quicker. Quick fire. I call it, that's the first time I've ever called it a power round. I know. I, wasn't, nice. I didn't know what that meant either. I was like, uh... I you need to jingle power round. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we just got, got it. it. Thank you. You heard yeah. it here for first. <laughs> do it again. Power round. Even better the second time. Okay. <laughs> we're ready I'm, I'm, I'm you're scrolling. just scrolling again and again so i have to do that again <laughs> he's hovering over episode 11 that's what he's doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> say stop whatever you want oh you want to say stop. okay stop. yeah stop episode five what not to wear oh my god this is such a funny <laughs> question for you given the absolute state of your footwear on a regular basis that i pull you up about mine yes yours really yeah what not to wear yeah so like on viewings or like actually you're the probably the worst person to ask this because you turn up looking like a tradie i i literally do wear tradesman's clothes everywhere yeah mm-hmm. everywhere for every reason when i'm going when I see my tenants, I don't want tenants to think that I'm absolutely loaded. So I wear my tradesman clothes. I like to be on site dressed as a tradesman because I don't want anyone, anybody who's not part of the team, I don't want them to know that I'm the boss because um, I want to pull up the people who aren't, you know, working hard. <laughs> so sometimes I often get tradesmen who are on there working and they'll, they think the boss isn't around because they think somebody else is the boss. Um, and so I like to be, I like it for that reason. Um, the only the only time I don't like to wear tradesmen's clothes is when I'm picking up the kids because they get embarrassed because they go to posh school and there's all these posh cars and I turn up in my van rather than the Range Rover in my tradesman clothes. <laughs> and uh, for the very reason I used to go two streets up the road in my Triumph Dolomite, they asked me to park up the road in my van in my tradesman clothes. Um, but uh, yeah, I always wear tradesman clothes, always. Yeah, you yeah. do. And to be yeah. fair, I let you off with that one. It's only if we're at like a conference or something. I look down and I just look at your footwear and I'm normally yeah. like, well, oh God, what's he doing? Yeah. That's the loafers. Uh, yeah, I'm not embarrassed about it at all. I, I 
quite comfortable in tradesmen's clothes and comfortable bantering with my tradesmen and working my tradesmen. Um, yeah, that's me. Love it. But I am envious when I see a guy in a smart suit who's also a property development. I think, oh, I really need to look like those guys, but I never Really? Yeah, I, I do. I can't imagine you aspiring yeah. to that. Do you not just think wanker? <laughs> I always think oh. wanker. No, I think, you know, I think somebody with the size of portfolio that I've got and doing the deals that I'm doing, I should be dressed like that. <laughs> but I'd still walk around in my tradesman clothes. <laughs> I've never seen Richard Brunson in the suit yet. No, true, true, <laughs> true. Just do you, babe. Just do you. <laughs> and on, 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 on that great note, yeah. uh, it's time to wrap us up. So just want to say thank you so much for being with us today, Jamie, <laughs> and for sharing those nuggets of, of golden truth. Um, so it's a goodbye from me. 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 Jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more on Facebook search Property Jam Podcast or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast or you can email us at Property Jam Podcast at Outlook.com see See you on on the next next episode. episode